Good morning, Mannheim BIC. How are you? I bring you greetings from Freedom Church in Maryland. My name is Josh Finley. Uh, bring you greetings from my wife, Anna. And I'm just so excited to be here. My connection to you, even though we haven't met, we are spiritual family. You understand that. But my connection to you is uh, Bryce. When I was youth pastoring at Elam Bible Institute in college, he was one of our interns. He had just come from New Zealand. This was before he and Christina had a ever-growing tribe of biblical proportions. You, you've met their, their team, their squad. Um, and I just, I just was excited to come to a place when I heard your history. I love places that have a foundation that is unmistakably older, but a feel and a flavor that's younger. Um, I, I, I commend you for being willing to bring on a leader who is a bold leader, a next generation leader, um, because in Matthew 13, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, this is how it's going to go down. There's a, a wise manager, a wise leader is one who brings from the storehouse, right, both old and new treasures. But the truth is what's new is often resisted by what's known. No matter how young we think we are, how much we love change, you know, we... You know, uh, we all love change until somebody else is doing it. And so I just, I, I wanted to come to a mix and say, wow, this is a place where the generations meet. This is a place that has an old foundation, but a, a willingness to have a feel and a flavor to reach uh, younger people and younger families. And so um, when I transitioned in, into pastoring for a founding pastor, I didn't hear the statistic that uh, transitioning new younger pastors become sacrificial lambs within 18 months. Thank God I didn't even know that statistic till five years in. <laughs> and so we're here, and thank God that, you know, our history truly informs us, but it's vision that directs us. And so, Mannheim, thank you for saying yes to Fresh Vision. Thank you for saying yes to God's Spirit in this season. I love coming into houses of worship where you can feel just substance. This, this place is, is a gift, and I hope you know that. And if you're new here, come back. Don't let me scare you away. You got to check out what this place is really all about next week. Uh, but you're in a series in the book of Jonah, right? And so today we're wrapping up Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. I love the word of God. How many are thankful for God's word? Come on, people have laid their lives down to give us this word. And I, I love God's word, but I get a little bit nervous when you read a story and you think you understand it right off the bat. Um, it's just like Jesus, who was such a great prophet. He would, he would tell a story, and then all of a sudden you'd find yourself in the story and your heart on display. And so in this story with Jonah, you know, you think you understand all the parts and it's so easy to judge Jonah, but many times, how many of you know, God will, will say and do things to offend your mind to reveal what's really in your heart. And so to read the book of Jonah is a heart check at, at a deep level. Uh, we've learned some incredible things in this series. We've learned that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Aren't you thankful for that? I may not know you, I may not know your story, but I know that in your heart you've had a journey, you've had some miles on detour, you've, you've tried to run from God in some way, shape, or form, but I'm thankful that you couldn't outrun him. We sang it today that his reckless love, he, he pursues you, he chases us. Um, so Jonah is on the Mediterranean diet, not by his choice, but because he's in the belly of this large fish. I love some of the details that the, the Bible leaves. It says there was seaweed wrapped around his forehead, right? My man's got a turban on of seaweed, and he is praying. And, you know, this is way before there was Uber or Uber Eats. Now this is like Uber meets Uber Eats. Your Uber ate you, then spit you out on the shore. 
that will help your prayer life. I don't know. Like, if you get swallowed by a large fish, you'd be praying too. But the idea, the concept I want to get at is, is this idea of greater than. And I'm a child of the 80s, and so when I hear young people now arguing about who is the greatest when it comes to the NBA, they're talking about LeBron and Kobe and all the, you know, Curry, and, and I'm not hating on any of them. I'm just a child of the 80s, so Michael Jordan, end of discussion, he was greater than them, okay? I had a gentleman, an older gentleman grab me after the second gathering, he goes, I have two words for you, young man. He was gracious, he goes, Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> you know, I'm respectful of my elders, but I disagree. No. <laughs> Michael Jordan, it's so funny. And regardless of what sport you like or if you can't stand sports, we all have these strong biases. We all have these things. If you talk to people about how they drink their coffee, well, they drink it black or they have cream and sugar. Well, you know, what kind of computer do you use? Is it a Mac or is it anything else? Is, what kind of truck do you drive? We all have these crazy biases of what we think is greater than. And you know, when it comes to Jonah's plan, Jonah had to learn that God's, God's purpose was greater than his plan, always. And I'm, I'm pretty simplistic in my understanding of math. Uh, my oldest son, Judah, is turning 16. He's a sophomore. He goes to a science and math academy. He's already taking trigonometry and AP statistics, things I didn't even get to as a senior. But I tell you what, I nailed the whole greater than principle. In school, when they told me the Pac-Man face wants to eat whatever's greater, I'm like, dude, I got you. Like, I understand greater than. It's, uh, it's easy to understand it in, like, simplistic math terms. It's easy to understand it when I'm looking at your life or I'm scrutinizing Jonah's life. But it's a whole nother story when we look at our own lives and say, what kind of plans, what kind of ideas am I holding on to that is contrary to God's purpose? And the big idea is this, it's such a crucial lesson that God's purpose is always greater than your plans. And we're going to see that played out in Jonah's life. So to give you some background, if you're just joining us in this series, if it's your first week, um, God has recruited a very, very reluctant prophet. Not only does he have a hard message to deliver, but he has an incredibly hard heart. He doesn't want to do it, so he runs in the opposite direction. In fact, if you go to Israel today, I was astonished when I was in uh, Tel Aviv, you can go visit the port in Joppa. It's still there where Jonah sailed from. Unbelievable. Um, you go to Israel, they have to like just keep picking you off the ground because you have no grid for these things. It's just incredible to see the Bible come to life. But Jonah sails to, to Tarshish, the opposite direction of Nineveh. God graciously reroutes him. And here's where we pick up the story. Jonah has just preached a sermon and he's very disappointed at what's happening uh, let's go to verse 10 of chapter 3, and then we'll go right into chapter 4. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. It says, When God saw that they, the city of Nineveh, did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became Say it with me, say very angry, very angry. When's the last time you got into an argument with God about his timeline, about what he was doing with your life? Listen, I, I know that we, we, we cleaned up well. It's Sunday. We are super spiritual people. But I know you fight with God. I know because you're human. You're, you're pe we're people. We all wrestle with God. We say, God, I, I want to serve your ultimate purpose, but I've got these really great plans and I've got a timeline and... 
I didn't think I'd be in this job as long. I didn't think I'd be out of this job as long. I, I didn't think I'd be buying my eighth bridesmaid dress and not be the bride yet, like whatever. I thought my kids would give me grandkids quickly. What's happening, God? I didn't think we'd have to wrestle with infertility. Like we serve you, we love you, we give, but what's going on, God? Can you just get on board with my plan, right? We, we love when God gets on board with our plan. The issue is his purpose is always greater than our plans. And Jonah's, Jonah's about to learn this. Verse two, it says, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? You didn't even have to try to get me to come. That's why I tried to stall and I fleed to Tarshish. He says, he says God, it's kind of your fault. We've heard this before, Adam in the garden. God, it's your fault that I'm angry. It's your fault that I'm in this emotional condition. And you heard from, from Pastor Bryce last week, I believe, on the always circle, Whenever you feel like a helpless victim and you're trapped in your life circumstance, you've got to remind yourself that God always has a plan and you always have options. You are not a helpless victim. But it fits for Jonah's narrative and it fits for his pity party. And he says, it's interesting in the Hebrew, chapter one, it says that Nineveh was an exceedingly wicked people group. But in chapter four, it says that Jonah, the same Hebrew word, Jonah was exceedingly angry. Isn't it interesting that God saw what was going on in Jonah's heart and it was just as wicked to him as, as what was going on in the city of Nineveh? Same, same situation, but Jonah was unaware of it. And, and here's the deal. I, I'm, a, I'm a planner. I like to plan. Uh, as a leader, I think it's important, but I also think that sometimes our planning can turn into controlling. We could try to plan so much so that we don't have to fear the future and God is irrelevant in the equation. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you have to kill your plan to get on board with God's mission. And, and sometimes you've got to die to your pride. You've got to be flexible. It requires a flexibility that, that insecurity and pride doesn't really like. Like, I don't want to learn on the fly, God. And Jonah, is, he's, he's in this place and he's, he's holding on to his plan as opposed to bowing down to God's purpose. And... I know that you have uh, Moe's in the area, because uh, when we were driving up last night, I saw, and my wife and I, Ann and I, we've been together now, married for over 20 years, and uh, we, we had an opportunity to go out on a date night. Now, parents, you know this. You, you love your kids, but you really love your spouse, right? <laughs> so when you get to have a date night, you're like, we are out of here, and we didn't have a lot of time, so I said, listen, let's go to Moe's, we'll get some food, then we can do whatever you want. We can go to a movie, we can go shopping. We don't have a lot of time for a long, drawn-out meal. So we go in, we walk into Moe's, and for those of you who have been there, you know, you know, welcome to Moe's! And they're on you. You need to like, know your order because they're going to move you through that line quick. And so I'm staring at the menu, and I'm, I'm so hungry. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I love my wife. This is going to be a great date night. Triple Lindy burrito. Like, that's what I want. What am I going to put on it? And, and I hear behind me this loud bang. And see, what I didn't know is while I was looking at the menu, there, there was a young man that worked there that had uh, wiped up and mopped up the floor because someone had spilled their soft drink as they were leaving. But he went back into the kitchen to go get one of those yellow uh, caution floors wet signs. And while he was going to get the sign, a woman walked and slipped on the spot and cracked her head against the door frame at Moe's. And she, she hit it so hard with her skull, she put a dent in the aluminum casing around the frame. I mean, she really hit it. 
And I looked back and thank God there was a nurse that jumped out of line. There was actually a doctor that pulled out her cell phone and was just like helping her. And, and I was like, oh man, that's bad. But now back to the menu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then I looked back because I said to my wife, I said, wait a second. I think I may know her. I recognize this woman. And, and I'm like, well, she's, she's, and I'm rationalizing. I'm like, she's being taken care of. She doesn't need me. And she had been a guest at our church and I had met her. And so I turned back and I'm trying to like focus on the menu. And then I remembered her name. I'm like, her name's Brenda. I'm like, of course the Holy Spirit would remind me of her name. Like, so then I go into full blown, I'm not a reluctant prophet, but I'm a reluctant pastor. I'm like, I'm on a date night. I know it's holy for me to love my wife just as much as I don't want a divine appointment right now. Like, I have plans, and I'm hungry, and, and then I, and my wife's like, well, if, if you know, you need to do something. So, like, I'm fighting the Holy Spirit, then I said, okay, you're right, sweetie. So I, I turn around, I bend down, she recognizes me right out of the gate. She's like, Pastor Josh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm thinking, if you only knew, you would have prayed he sent someone else. <laughs> um, some of you are like, man, I'm so glad Pastor Josh is the guest speaker and not the care pastor around here. But this is where we live, isn't it? This is where we live. And I'm feeling bad for this woman, but I'm like, I have, I'm trying to get on with my date night. And, and so I pray for her. She calms down. She feels, she's like, oh, I feel so much better. I feel the peace of God. And, and I, I'm like, we're great. This is awesome. She's all set. So I, I go to get back in the line. And then the Holy Spirit, I mean, my wife says to me, <laughs> we can't just leave her, Josh. Like, we've got to go to the hospital with her. Her, she said her husband's out of town on business and her sister's coming from far away. And I'm like, of course we do. Of, of course we do. And so we went and, and our, my plans were interrupted. I got my freezing cold triple Lindy burrito while we're sitting in the waiting room at the hospital. And I, and I learned a lesson. Listen, sometimes you have to let your plans die for the purpose of God. And, some, and I'm not going to say sometimes. Most of the time it's going to be inconvenient. Most of the time it's going to cost you something that you don't want to pay. Right? And this is Jonah. Jonah is learning. Sometimes you've got to kill your plans to partner with the mission of God. And you've got to change your heart. God's purpose is always greater than our plans. The other thing that Jonah is learning is this, that God's mercy is greater than judgment. Look at verse 2. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Like, come on, God, where's some leprosy when you need it? Like, get these people. You know what's amazing? The culture we live in. Today, people think the God of the Old Testament is this fire-breathing, non-loving, law-giving God. But in the New Testament, thank God for Jesus because he stands in between the wrath of God and us and he's so merciful and so kind and grace is so amazing. I just want to remind us, this is an Old Testament prophet, Jonah, in the Old Testament saying, God, you are too loving and too merciful and too kind. How many are thankful that we don't have an old God and a new God? We just serve a good God. Come on, this is the God of the Bible. He's, he's so much better than we think. We have to let God's word change the way we think, right? He's, he's, more, he's more merciful than we even realize. But, but to us... When we think of the justice of God, we really don't think in terms of justice. We think revenge, right? We think divine retribution. And I know you are an amazingly holy group of people and you don't watch movies, but I watch movies 
uh, just to study culture, you know what I'm saying, just to, you know, and, and some of the movies that we like in our house, because we've got military background, I love the Jason Bourne series, you know, um, Liam Neeson in Taken, when he's like going to save his daughter, we don't just want the bad guys to get caught and to go to jail or have, some, we want them dead, we want them like creatively killed in the movie, right? And listen, I know you cleaned up well, you're so holy on Sunday, but I know your heart. (laughs) You are a human being, and something in us thinks that justice means revenge. But God does not diminish his nature or his character when he gives mercy to people who don't deserve it. It's astonishing. James, the the straight-talking, I mean, The half-brother of Jesus, you read the book of James, you need comfort food. You need like a bowl of ice cream and some popcorn because James is going to like hit you. And James says, it's the mercy of God that triumphs over judgment. He says, mercy is actually greater than judgment. Will God judge the planet? Will God judge the generations? Absolutely. He won't diminish who he is in judgment at all. In fact, he'll receive glory for it. But yet his mercy triumphs over judgment judgment. Jonah did not like this. In fact, the sermon he preaches, this is amazing, is just five words. In the Hebrew, in the English, it's a little longer. In Hebrew, it's five words. He says, 40 days from now and Nineveh will be overturned. Now, if you live in Nineveh, you're thinking, do we have any options here? Like, what if we do turn? Like, and who is going to destroy us? And what happens if we change? No room for any of that. Jonah is like preaching them straight into a corner of destruction. But the irony and just the humor of it all and the nature of God just exploding through the pages of the Old Testament, the word he uses to say the city will be overturned actually has two different meanings in Hebrew. It can mean overturned and destroyed or it can mean overturned like turned around and transformed. So here God has this reluctant prophet saying, 40 days from now, you're all going to be judged. You're all going to be overturned, the whole city. And the truth was, he was actually prophesying a revival that was going to take place in Nineveh because the whole city was going to be turned around because they were going to turn and repent in their hearts. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit can still turn the hearts of people you never thought would love Jesus and bow to his kingdom? It's amazing. And so Jonah is learning that that his job wasn't to grade the people. His job was to grow them in, in grace and truth. His, he learned, or God was giving him an opportunity to learn. It didn't look like he learned it. And we need this reminder that, that labels are for packages, not for people. But it's, but it's so easy for us. Like the, Timothy Keller said the human heart is like an idol factory. And I, I would say the human heart... We're so quick at labeling people. Like right now, has there not been tension in our culture about every decision people make? In your heart, I tell you, you've got three categories. You have preferences. You have preferences, convictions, and essentials. But over time, your preferences become convictions and your convictions become essentials. So that if a person doesn't agree with every one of your essentials, they have no place in your life. But that sounds an awful lot like the Pharisees right? The gospel teaches me that when someone draws a circle to exclude me, I get the privilege to draw a bigger circle that includes them without watering down the truth of God's word. But here's the deal. We, we label each other all the time. 
Do they wear masks? Do they not wear masks? Are they vaccinated or are they not vaccinated? Right? If you look like me, vote like me, talk like me, then, man, I really like you. Because you remind me of me. <laughs> right? This is Jonah. Jonah's like, God, these people are wicked. We're Israel. We're your people. Remember? They're like skinning people alive and, and, and crucifying them. And, and they would bury them in the desert and leave their heads above the sand and then have horses stampede. I mean, they were the most vile people on the planet. And God says, yeah, they're wicked. But think about it. The times where you needed love the most, you deserved it the least. The mercy of God, he wants mercy to triumph over judgment. This is something that Jonah had to learn. This is something we have to learn. And, and here's the thing, God wired us, he made us, he knows how we work. Your mind can be convinced, but your heart has to be one. Your mind can be convinced, but your heart has to be one. So sometimes, what does that look like? That looks like a grandparent who's kind of distraught over the next generation, saying, I don't know why they think like that, I can't believe and I'm with you. I get it. But sometimes you have to be willing to have the ministry of presence and just sit with some of their doubts and sit with some of the things that are going on because then you might earn the privilege to give some grace and truth to what's really going on on the inside. But no room for that with Jonah. God's trying to bring him in. Jonah, you've got a part to play in the rescue mission. But Jonah wants nothing to do with it. But God's teaching him mercy is greater than judgment. And listen, Mannheim, BIC, this... Your mission is to what? Initiate and nurture a loving relationship with Christ. To help initiate that process. That means that your next spiritual steps, regardless of how long you've been a part of this church or how long you've been following Jesus, it could be from last week, it could be from 60 years ago, your next spiritual steps are directly and intimately tied to someone else's first spiritual steps. That means it's going to take them a little while to catch up. That means those babies, they may fumble over themselves a little bit. That means, I remember when one of my friends gave his life to Christ in high school and he showed up at church with me with like Alice Cooper, mega death, these shirts on. I was like, I was like, hey, bro. <laughs> and he, he got self-conscious. He's like, oh, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't have any clothes. Like, and so, and I, and I remember the Lord was like, do something about it. Like, bring him over to your house and let him take some of your clothes out of your closet. I didn't know he was going to take all my favorite clothes out of my closet. There's a price to pay to walk with people to see them take next spiritual steps. Jonah would have nothing to do with it. Lord, may we do better. God's purpose is greater than our plans. God's mercy is greater than judgment. And here's a quick one. Kingdom impact is always greater than personal image. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, now, Lord, now Jonah's reached a whole new level of pity party. Take my life from me. You could hear the whine. For it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be this angry? Jonah, as a prophet, his street cred, his ability to, to be a prophet was to predict and to speak for God. He said, if I predict judgment and you give mercy, I look like an idiot. I've got egg on my face, God. I don't like it. You might as well just take me home now. And God's like, Jonah, just get over yourself. Listen, how many of you know your ego is not your amigo? <laughs> your pride is not your best friend. And in this culture, I know I don't have to hammer that. You get it. There's, there, I get it. There's a humility thing. Every platform God gives you is for the people around you. 
your place in that org chart, your place in the community, your, the neighborhood you live in, the business that you own, the coworkers you have, your, your status, I'll say it this way, your status is for his purpose, right? But Jonah was so concerned about how he looked, and I'm telling you, kingdom impact is greater than, than personal image. So this way, when you feel uncomfortable and you're at the grocery store or you're, and you feel, you know what I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit, your heart's racing, you're like, I don't want to talk to this person that I don't know. And the Holy Spirit's like, just invite them to church. And you're like, I don't do that. I'm not an evangelist. Come on, some of you are looking at me like that's never happened to you before. I know. I know how he works. If he does it to me, he loves all of us. I know he does it to you. And we don't want to feel awkward and we don't want to feel stupid and we rationalize and we spiritualize. And, and God says, just get over yourself because kingdom impact is always greater than personal image. Amen? Another lesson that Jonah had to learn and that we have to learn is that the eternal is always greater than the temporal. Let's look at the story in verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Verse 6, then the Lord God provided or arranged. The sovereignty of God is absolutely amazing. We have a very real responsibility within his sovereignty, but the sovereign hand of God is arranging things in this story, arranging the wind to blow, arranging a large fish. Now there's a shady plant. He arranges a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. First time Jonah's happy in the whole four chapters. But at dawn the next day, God provided, the word is actually he anointed, he arranged a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God now also provided and sovereignly arranged a scorching east wind to come and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so he grew faint. He wanted to die. I'm seeing a theme now coming out of Jonah. Pity part, I just want to die, God. It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah, you've known this plant for 24 hours. What's wrong with you? Don't you see I'm doing something eternal and all you can focus on is your temporal comforts? But again, when the story serves up someone to judge so easily, you have to step back and say, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to say to my heart? Jonah's too easy of a target. He just, I mean, he just insert foot into mouth. He's just constantly that way. But how many times do we, do we prioritize and get caught up and distracted with the temporal over the eternal, right? Like I, I love tracking Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and all these different things, but guess what? It's just, it's just temporal, right? Uh, I love, I'm a, I'm a parent, my wife and I were raising our two boys, and so I love parent memes, I can, I can really connect with the parent memes, and this is one that I just loved. My son made the mistake of telling me I was being overdramatic, so I just changed the Wi-Fi password. We'll see who's overdramatic in about T minus three minutes. When you're quarantined, and people are schooling from home, and you mess with your kids, I'm telling you, this is awesome. What, people lose their minds over Wi-Fi. We rolled into town last night. First thing at the hotel, I wanted to know how to get the Wi-Fi password. What? what? Wi-Fi. It's like, a, it's like we, the world owes it to us or something. We didn't even know what it was 15 years ago, and all of a sudden, we can't live without it. It's, it's, it's good. It's helpful. It's temporal. It's not eternal. 
We're so consumed with the speed of our service at a restaurant, and I'm more concerned over the speed of service than the, the condition of the soul of the, of the person bringing the food. I'm not available even for the Holy Spirit to talk to me because I'm, I'm in the temporal. And, and let me just preach where some of you are because <laughs> driving to church today, I saw the most meticulous lawns I have ever seen in my life. I didn't know it was a thing, to be honest. I said to Bryce, I said, Bryce, what is it with the lawns around here? There should be the World Series of Lawns. This is like another level. They're green as green can be. They're meticulous and lush. It's, but not like a couple houses. It's like house after house after house. Then we showed up at the property for the church. And I'm, I'm not making fun of you. I think excellence is amazing. I think it's part of our worship to God. It's an incredible work ethic. We pulled up and my son Jesse said, Dad, this place is like a hotel. He's like, look at this. And, 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 and I'm just kind of confessing my envy because back home I've got a lawn with some patchy areas and just last week I had to dig it up and reseed it and topsoil and put some straw over it so the birds don't eat all the seed. And, and as I'm, I'm in Jonah, it's like, Bryce, why did you have to even invite me to preach on this chapter? God disrupts your whole life when you start digging into some of these books. I'm thinking about my lawn and I'm thinking about the patches and then today I'm driving in, I'm like, man, I wish my lawn could look like that. I care more about the temporal condition of my lawn than the eternal place where my neighbors, I know one of my neighbors probably doesn't know Christ. And here I am obsessing about, is it green? Is it yellow? Is it soft and plush? Or is it prickly and hard? Like, I don't want crabgrass and all that's good. God cares about every area of your life. Do whatever you can do wholeheartedly for the Lord. But it's temporal. But people are eternal. I'm never gonna meet a person that God doesn't care deeply about. I'm never gonna meet a person that I passionately disagree about all kinds of important things that Jesus didn't die for. And so God has to give us the grace to say, you know what, I'm gonna focus on what's eternal. And I can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit, but I'll make my heart available for you, God, to disrupt my plan sometime for your purpose. Because Jonah, he just couldn't go there. And, and I'm telling you, I just, I'm not even trying to preach a message. I want to go there. I want to be available to God more often than I am distracted by temporal things that really don't even matter. And I think you're the same. The, Jonah's about to learn too in verse 10, empathy is always greater than entitlement. And I, I don't want to admit how much entitlement can creep into our hearts. We feel entitled to Wi-Fi, entitled to these things. God says, okay, Jonah, hold on a second. You're concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to it or make it grow, isn't it amazing that sometimes we feel such a strong desire for something we've made such little investment in? That's entitlement, right? I, I want my heart to have gratitude, but gratitude begins where entitlement ends. And again, you need the Holy Spirit, like, like Sarah was saying, we need him to light up the shadows in our heart to show us what we feel entitled to I come to church, it's like, that's my row. Who's sitting in my row? What's, don't these people know? This is my area. This is my parking spot, right? We feel entitled to so many things. And God says, let me just kind of disrupt that a little bit so you can care about what I care about. Jonah, the plant has been alive for 24 hours. I have 120,000 people in this city and all the livestock the people that love to quote this Old Testament verse in Jonah 4 to say that God loves animals, God absolutely loves animals. 
He was talking about more than just the livestock. He was talking about the economy. He's saying, I care about every aspect and culture of the city. It's a wicked city. But he said, Jonah, they can't even, they're so blind, they can't see their right hand from their left. You know what's so amazing? God despises sin more than you do. God hates sin more than I do. But he's not surprised when sinners sin. He says, they're spiritually blind, Jonah. That's why I need you to go and give them this message. That's why they need my mercy. That's why they don't need a a hard message with a hard heart. That's why they need a prophet with a soft heart. I love this. Empathy is greater than entitlement. And I just want to encourage you as we close. For some of you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart, God is going to send people into your life that, that don't believe the way you believe. and Don't think the way you think. And if you will give them the ministry of presence, if you will just be around them and allow the Holy Spirit to win their hearts, here's what he'll do. He'll, he'll, he'll give you an ability by his grace. It's a supernatural thing. He'll let you contextualize your voice without compromising any of your values. Not one of your values will you have to compromise. But when you are, when you are there in the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I'm not going to try to convince their mind first. God, if I could win their heart, if you by your grace could give me the ability to get close enough, then you'll do the rest of the job. But God's hardest job wasn't Nineveh. It was Jonah. And God, I'm thinking, what if I was on the other side of Brenda's accident? I wouldn't want me sent to me. I'd want somebody else that that let the Holy Spirit stretch their heart enough to be inconvenienced, right? And the last one is this, and This is where the story ends. You say, well, what did Jonah do? Well, we don't know. It's a total cliffhanger. The story completely ends right there in chapter four because the story wasn't really just about Jonah. The story was about us, the reader. And so rather than look at the questions God gave Jonah and see them as stones where we could throw judgment at him so easily, I think God's just saying, I want you to hold them up like a mirror and ask me to do a courageous work in your heart. So you don't become a reluctant prophet or you don't become a Pharisee where if someone doesn't agree with every one of your essentials, there's no room in your life because I'm telling you, we know Jesus was a friend of sinners, but it feels weird when people start judging you for for trying to win over the hearts of sinners for the sake of the gospel. And you're not gonna compromise any of your values and you know that, but I'm telling you, it feels really awkward when you begin to step out and we need God's work on the inside of us. Pastor Bryce ended his message last week saying in Matthew 12, This is the greatest greater than. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jonah was not the only prophet sent to people walking in darkness. While Jonah is outside the city sulking, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem weeping. Jonah, all he can care about is his temporary comfort and the shade from a tree Jesus will hang on a cross-shaped tree naked, not worried about how he looks, saying, listen, Jonah, his pride is so delicate, he always has to be right. Jesus said, I've laid down my pride so I can make mankind right with my Father. And so, church, I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? Thank you for the investment of your time. Thank you for being here, but I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and bow your heart right now. I want, to, I want to invite you to pray a courageous prayer. Some of you, there's going to be a prayer team up front in just a moment that you need prayer. You need to not carry the, 
the burden you came in with out with you. Maybe some of you need prayer for healing in your body. Some of you need prayer because you're stepping over the line of faith today. If you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, can I tell you, there is no one in the human experience or in the life after that will love you the way he has. But the Bible is so clear that our sin separates us from a holy God. And Jesus said, I'm not willing for you to be separated from my Father and from me for all eternity. So he died on the cross for your sin. Some of you today, as we pray, you need to repent. It just means to turn. You need to turn your life over to Jesus. The believers that are here, I'm going to invite you to repent, to turn your heart and say, God, would you, in fact, right now, let's just lean in. God, would you come by your spirit and do something that we could never manufacture in our strength? God, I thank you for turning hearts to see your mercy for the first time. I thank you for baby spiritual steps. I thank you for next steps. I thank you, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit drawing. I thank you for giving courage to your body today that say, God, would you, would you forgive me for doing the right things with the wrong heart? Would you, would you soften my heart so that I'm not so worried about my image or my pride or the plans I have? May they just be surrendered to you. God, would you give us an audacious courage that the gospel of grace gives us to love sinners, to love people who are not like us, to remember that it was your grace that saved us in the first place. God, as you take the heart that is so strong to serve the community here, I pray that when neighbors and business owners and strangers meet the mercy of God, it would be like a sign and a wonder to them and it would draw their hearts right to you. Jesus, glorify yourself in this place. Stretch our hearts. This week, let that shift be evident. As we're mowing the lawn, I pray we'd be praying for people who are not like us. And we'd say, God, I can't work it up. I can't fake it. But by your grace, would you stretch my heart that I wouldn't feel entitled, but I'd feel true empathy and be your hands and feet. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.